Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This episode of Gagan Preston is brought to you by Manscaped, the premier brand for male grooming. And you can get 20% off all their products at manscaped.com by using the code GAGAN2021. That's G-E-G-E-N-2021. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing, the Bundesliga podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn, and joining me, as always, is the area manager and writer for Transfer Mart, Manuel Veith. Manuel, how are you doing? Yeah, doing good, Bryce. Doing really good. Um, you know, I might be able to book my first vaccination shot this week, so I'm really excited about that. Um, things are slowly opening up to normal again, and that's very exciting. And you know everything is normal when it's May and Bayern Munich have won yet another Bundesliga title. <laughs> yeah, that is certainly the case. We, you know, I think in current um, times, it's it's nice to have a bit of normality, and yeah, that that certainly is uh, normal for us, isn't it? Um, but Manu, you um, obviously Manu and I speak on on Sunday night here, but um, uh, you you did a little piece with um, our friend Stefan yesterday, Manu. Yeah, I did. We we chatted about a bunch of stuff. Bayern Munich's title win, uh, Borussia Dortmund. Um, great result against RB Leipzig. A preview to the cup final a little bit, Bryce. And yeah, maybe we should listen to that part first. Yeah, I think it might be a good place to start, Manu, because it will delay me having to talk about the other end of the table. Oh, no. Anyway, uh, Manu spoke to Stefan Bienkowski uh, yesterday um, on Saturday night um, about all the goings on. And here it is. By an intent on a third goal. Muller looks for Lewandowski, finds Lewandowski! He keeps doing it time after time after time! Robert Lewandowski is the best striker in the world and if you want to know why, just watch the replay of that goal. Perfection from the master craftsman. Yeah, and I'm joined by Stefan Bienkowski. Stefan, it's so good to have you on the show. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, mate. It's always a pleasure to come on, uh, especially after such a dramatic weekend of Bundesliga football. I was going to actually ask you, um, yes, traumatic weekend, but we've we've talked a little bit about this on Twitter. We've kind of alluded it in the past um, a little bit on the show, but how have you survived the whole coaching changes in the Bundesliga? Uh, how have I survived? A lot of coffee um, <laughs> and... You know, just try not to get surprised by anything anymore. It, it feels like transfer deadline day every single day right now in the Bundesliga. Um, maybe we should just kind of put some new laws in that you can only change manager maybe during a transfer window and you have to stick with them because it's been nuts. But it's also been really fun. I mean, at the start of this week, we had Raul being linked with Eintracht Frankfurt. And I think I just tweeted, I was like, do you know what? Fine. It's You know, I'm, I'm beyond the point of thinking these things are actually believable or not because we had the whole merry-go-round the Javi Alonso uh, being linked with uh, Gladbach. So who's to, who's to say that Raul can't, Raul can't be linked to 
Frankfurt. Um, and it's, it's now got to that point where you could literally link any Bundesliga coach or club with any coach in the world of football. And it's not beyond the realms of possibility because so much has happened. It, it's been 10 days since we've had actual announcement. So I don't know how, how are you coping with that? I, I, I feel very much like I'm missing out on something. So yeah, Raul got, got me going again because yes, this is an interesting name and Frankfurt are looking for a head coach. I think that they're also looking at some other candidates, which could get the ball rolling even more because I know one of the people that they're looking at, Stefan, is Glasner, um, which of course would then open up a slot in Wolfsburg, uh, which probably would take another position away somewhere else in the Bundesliga. So <laughs> the way it's been going. But I mean, you and anyone I ever speak about this, um, very surprised that this this happens so early on in the Bund- in this year, right? I mean, it's, it's April, May. That's when most of these changes happen. I, I grew up with the Bundesliga. For me, it's quite normal to see Bundesliga teams do something quite that early. But you, you in Scotland, you've, I know you've been following the Bundesliga for a long time. But how has it been perceived in the United Kingdom? This ever changing switches of coaches but also players i mean bundesliga teams are also very early on when it comes to player transfers yeah it's been it's been really interesting you you obviously do have to explain excuse me you also have to explain why and how and some of some of the deals are actually quite hard to explain you know to to someone who doesn't follow the bundesliga they may genuinely wonder why the head coach of antrag frankfurt would move to gladbach or you know why Dortmund didn't just go for the Leipzig head coach or et cetera, et cetera. So you have to kind of explain, well, technically this club's historically bigger than this one and they probably, have, behind the scenes, they probably have more of their stuff together than this one, which is why it makes it more interesting. Um, but it, I think ultimately it also does offer a degree of entertainment, which, let's be honest, the Bundesliga has kind of lacked from a kind of purely sporting point of view, at least at the top of the league. Um and, you know, it's it certainly offers more than just, say, you know, if, it, if, if all that had happened was that Dortmund had nicked Gladbach's head coach and then Bayern Munich had nicked RB Leipzig's head coach, you'd kind of get people who don't really follow the league saying, oh, well, that's just kind of typical, you know, Dortmund and Bayern just kind of hoovering up the talent. But you've now got like a genuine, um, this kind of genuine melting pot of coaches moving around. Um, you know, particularly with Glasner, he was linked with a couple of co- uh, positions, um, you know, and Adi Hutter as well, if I'm not mistaken. He was the same, actually, maybe a couple of positions he was linked with. So I think it has offered a kind of degree of interest. And I, I certainly noticed a lot of people who don't traditionally cover the Bundesliga on my timeline getting really involved in this. I think the one that really stood out was obviously, obviously Xabi Alonso. I think that was one that a lot, a lot of people kind of stood up and thought, oh, that's quite interesting because he's obviously a figure and people were talking about this even back when he was still playing. That Just the way he comes across, he, he obviously comes across as a very keen tactician and it's not hard at all to imagine him being a very suave, you know, deep-thinking head coach. So, you know... I, even though it didn't end up working, I did think, you know, whether it's a risk or not, I think it's the kind of move that I think Gladbach would have seen a lot of worldwide interest in appointing someone like that. And I think maybe same thing maybe applies a rule um, in terms of his links to Frankfurt, because, you know, these are kind of big names uh, that have worldwide appeal. And I think a lot of people would be really genuinely interested in seeing how they would do it. But 
it seems as though for the time being, Bundesliga clubs are only interested in hiring other Bundesliga clubs uh, head coaches. So no Raul, no Xabi Alonso for the time being. Yeah, I think, the, I mean, in fairness, uh, the Bundesliga does produce some very good head coaches. I mean, just look at the Champions League and the final, there's going to be two head coaches that have previously coached in the Bundesliga, right, and the Champions League final. And then, of course, Thomas Tuchel going to back-to-back finals. Uh, I, I think both PSG and Dortmund may be regretting letting him go. So I think the, the league has a lot of quality head coaches, more so maybe than a lot of other competitions when you go top to bottom. There's a lot of interesting personalities and coaching types and different coaching types. And um, I, what I also find fascinating is the how big of a stamp Red Bull as a, of a brand has put onto this league because you have so many coaches that have either coached at Red Bull Salzburg or RB Leipzig, right? And um, have that kind of connection. Um, it's really interesting that that's such, becomes such a prevalent thing almost. And uh, it probably reflects well on the league. You're right. I think the, the the top of the league with Bayern Munich yet again dominating towards the end of the season, it, it hasn't offered us quite as much entertainment. But speaking of Bayern Munich and entertainment, the Nagelsmann transfer. We, we're going to talk about Nagelsmann in a moment and what he can bring to Bayern. But the transfer on itself, a world record Twenty-five million when you include bonuses, um, and then of course what it has cost with Jesse Marshall going from Salzburg to Leipzig, bringing an American head coach to a team that was in the top four in the Champions League last year. I mean, that is the ultimate soap opera, isn't it, Stefan? Yeah, you know, I, I, my initial reaction to this when the news came out was that of pessimism, um, just because. You know, maybe maybe I'm not looking at this in the kind of the most optimistic way, but the the manner in which Bayern kind of swooped in for Upamecano, you know, the manner in which they announced that they'd bought out his minimum fee release clause a couple of minutes before Leipzig's game one weekend. It wasn't very it wasn't done really officially. Um, you know, there was there's kind of this kind of back and forth with the media seeing the photos of his agent at you know Bayern's training ground, and then the manner in which you know I think the Hansi Flick this his Hansi Flick's decision to very quickly and very abruptly decide to leave. He told the, he told the players, and then he told the media without really consulting the club, which is just something that never really happens at Bayern. They were kind of caught flat-footed there, so they obviously had to act very quickly. So I can understand the quick turnaround in Flick saying he's leaving and all of a sudden Nagelsmann has agreed to join Bayern. And, you know, I can understand Nagelsmann deciding to move to Bayern because not only are Bayern Bayern, but they're his Bayern. They're his club that he's supported his whole life. You know, he's a, he's a kid from the area. So I have nothing against Nagelsmann deciding to move to Munich, but from a, you know, from, from a kind of uh, outsider's perspective, it, it struck me as it kind of chimed the same way as how Bayern had strategically pulled apart Jurgen Klopp's Borussia Dortmund side. And you might have some Bayern Munich fans who are listening to this kind of rolling their eyes thinking, well, you know, that's just quite pessimistic. But I, I really do think they quite surgically did um, pull that team apart, not without reason, because there were a lot of good players there. And one of them has just put on a tremendous show this weekend. So they were perfectly justified in doing so. But, you know, this is something that Bayern have done quite a while. So anyway, point I was making is that that was my initial reaction to the 
you know, this is Bayern kind of pulling, maybe taking an opportunity to pull apart their closest rival and a team that have kind of made them very uncomfortable this season. Uh, but in, now that I've had maybe a week or two to think about it, I do kind of wonder actually um, what this means for the Bundesliga next season, just because, you know, we were kind of talking off uh, just before we started recording there about Nagelsmann's record and I was kind of tweeting about it over the weekend saying that, uh, you know, in I think it's maybe like eight um, chances, eight opportunities against Bayern and Dortmund as the RB Leipzig head coach. He's failed to win a single match. Um, he's obviously got this German Cup final where he can maybe go on and do that. But it, 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 that, that, if I was a Bayern fan, that's something that would kind of probably still linger in the back of my head because there's no doubt that Nagelsmann's a good coach. He's a very young coach and he's going to get better and better. But for the most expensive head coach in the history of football, you would probably have expected him to kind of pull up a few more routes. You would expect him to have kind of pulled off a few more miracles um, with that Leipzig team. And I know he got to the semi-final Champions League, et cetera, et cetera. But I, 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 I just think, you know, this is another thing I kind of mentioned to you before we started recording, that now that he is now the Bayern Munich head coach, I've been allowed, it's offered me an opportunity to be more critical of his time at Leipzig and... I'm not sure it's as perfect as some people would maybe suggest it has been. And I'm not sure he has proved himself as much as maybe Bayern would like to think he has. Because I think there's still kind of some black marks on his record. And I think he now goes to Munich actually, but still quite a lot to prove as a young head coach. Yeah, I go 100% along with that. I think today's game was was a good example. There was a couple other ones. And I think we've actually spoken about it on the podcast, the the missed opportunity against Liverpool, a side that I think Leipzig should have eliminated. And I know we have a lot of Liverpool listeners on the show, so sorry, but I think that Leipzig should have probably eliminated a Liverpool side that had very much been lacking confidence this year. You you, you mentioned the record against Bayern Munich, the record against Dortmund, the the fact that in in key games, he does fall short quite often. And I think... What frustrated me the most about his coaching this year is that, well, we're going to say now, okay, look, Bayern are 10 points ahead. They they won the title. Lewandowski is going to score probably 41, 42, 43 goals by the end of the season. Um, this is a Bayern Munich side that with a fit Lewandowski and uh, Serge Gnabry would have probably smashed PSG in that quarterfinal and probably be in the final now because I think that they are better than City. But... At the same time, at the same time, you do have the sense that Bayern Munich are 10 points ahead of Leipzig because Leipzig have lost 10 points and not because Bayern have been 10 points better. There were so many games where you had the sense that, okay, well, he left his tactical changes very late, sometimes so late so that the game was already lost. The 2 0 defeat to Köln, there was, I spoke to a few people in, in this business, and they were saying, like, if you are a Bayern Munich head coach or an aspiring Bayern Munich head coach, and you coach a team like Leipzig, and you have the opportunity to win the Bundesliga title, and at that stage you did, and you lose 2 0 to Köln, that's unacceptable. The, um, the game against Wolfsburg, I believe it was, where uh, Paulsen scored a very late winner, and it was, it was chalked off because of a handball, right? 
I think that too, that was a game where you shouldn't be in, in that situation where you have to rely on a last minute winner to, to be still in the Bundesliga title race. And, you know, there's so many games like that, the direct duels against Bayern Munich, where I think he was outcoached by Flick. And that makes you kind of wonder, okay, well, maybe there is still a lot to learn from him. And he has to hit the ground running at Bayern Munich because he's a world record transfer coach who's taking over a team that has been dominating the Bundesliga. But at the same time, you have rumors about Lewandowski may wanting another opportunity. Manuel Neuer is getting older. David Alaba is gone. Javi Martinez is gone. Jerome Boateng is gone. Yeah, you're adding Aubameyang. It's not going to be an easy task. And let's just even talk about the game today. So I think a big thing, and I remember this when Kovac came in, and Kovac had a very difficult time at Bayern Munich. But Kovac had a difficult time at Bayern Munich, even though he beat Bayern Munich in a German Cup final before he went there, which did help him. So today, they played Dortmund. They lost that game against Dortmund. Very good Dortmund performance, where I think Terzic outcoached him for large parts of the game. And on Thursday, they're playing that same game again for a title. And with today's performance in mind, Stefan, and with the game... On Thursday in mind, how important was today's game and how important do you think the game on Thursday will be for Nagelsmann? Yeah, I think it's huge. I mean, you know, it's interesting you bring up Nico Kovac there because he's almost one that's almost been vindicated or he might end up being quite vindicated in the long run of history because he's now performing miracles in Monaco. Um, but yeah, again, I was quite disappointed in Leipzig against Dortmund. It was another game where you kind of look at that lineup and you wonder, well... Why is he? Why is he doing this? And why is why is he starting him up front? You know what's going on here? Why is he not just sticking with the guys who've done well from this season? I was actually speaking to someone about this earlier in the week, and they were asking me about Nagelsmann's kind of efforts in terms of you know his 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 constant need to kind of shuffle the pack and change the team around. And I, I was kind of saying to them that at the start of the season, I did kind of wonder, you know. Is this kind of like him playing 4D chess when everyone else is playing checkers? Because he knows that this season, more than any, is going to be one in which teams are exhausted. Um, so he's taking advantage of a squad that maybe doesn't have as many outstanding individuals, but probably has just as much, if not more depth, than any other team in the Bundesliga. And I thought, you know what, this might be Nagelsmann. This, is my, this may be a masterstroke from Nagelsmann because when Dortmund and Bayern and Gladbach, etc., are all exhausted, uh, Leipzig are going to be going at full pelt for the last 10 games of the season and that hasn't worked out at all instead what we've seen is Leipzig kind of playing bizarre lineups bizarre players um, uh, picks in these games you mentioned the semi uh, the quarterfinals against Liverpool um, this Dortmund game is another example of that and it looked to me like a Leipzig team that were just kind of going through the motions for the first half in particular it looked like a training match where all the players were far more interested in kind of sticking to their position and playing their formation rather than really having a go at the game. Um, and it wasn't really until a kind of, you know, a header from a corner and almost like a, um, you know, a almost a bizarre goal that Leipzig thought, oh, hold on a minute, we're playing Dortmund here, the team that's famously self-destruct when you kind of apply ever so slightly, ever so slight pressure against them. Um, and suddenly we had a really decent Leipzig team for about 20 or 30 minutes, but... You're right, this is a Dortmund team that didn't have Erling Haaland. Um, and I think it's also a team that um, 
you know, I think you're absolutely right, Terzic. Not only has Terzic kind of done well tactically, but he also seems to have done really well in getting the best of individuals. You know, I've been quite critical of Terzic in terms of, you know, the way the Dorman's performances have kind of gone. They went off a cliff when he first came in. There's a lot of talk about whether it was the right decision to sack Favre and bring him in, or not really bring him in to promote him. But the way that we've seen the re-emergence of the Hood, um, the way that we've seen even Marco Royce the last couple of five or ten games has looked better. The form that we've seen from Jaden Sancho since the start of the year has been outstanding. You know, I think Sancho's playing some of his best football right now. Um, Gio Reyna kind of comes and goes. He's obviously still a young player, so he's still kind of dealing with his consistency. But And then obviously deciding, look, we're not... Um, he's obviously kind of come in and said, Roman Barkey's not good enough. I'm going to play Hits. And even when Hits has a few mistakes, he sticks with them. Um, so... Yeah, I actually think I, I, I wouldn't disagree with that at all, actually, in the sense that this was a match when everyone's kind of looking at Nagelsmann thinking this is going to be the next Bayern Munich head coach. But actually, Terzic has probably proved to be the more interesting coach out of this game and perhaps over the last maybe two or three months and in, in what he's got out of his Dortmund team. Um, and I do wonder if some Bayern fans are kind of watching Leipzig right now thinking, well, is this going to work for us? Because... There's absolutely no way that Nagelsmann's going to get away with this constant squad rotation method at Bayern. It just won't happen. If he drops uh, Kingsley Coleman or uh, you know a Hernandez uh, or, God forbid, a Neuer or Lewandowski out of principle and they drop points, he's going to have that club right on top of him because that's just the way Bayern Munich is. So he won't get the patience that he's been awarded at Hoffenheim at RB Leipzig. And I don't think he'll get the space to experiment as he has done there because they'll be demanding that whatever he does has to work from day one. Yeah, I'm really curious to see. I mean, I want to talk about Terzic and Dortmund in a moment as well, but um, I'm really curious to see what's actually going to happen when Marsh comes back to Leipzig, this time as a head coach. And I know it wasn't a straight coronation. I know Leipzig talked to other people, but um, I did. I do remember writing a couple articles on this, and I, I, I'm when I when I looked through it, and I, I know Jesse. I've interviewed Jesse, and I've spoken to Jesse many times, and um, I do think he's he's the right coach for this club because when you look at the way Salzburg play football, it's more direct, it's more vertical. It's more, it will go back to a little bit of that Hasenhüttl style, you know, the way Ralf Rangnick played football in Leipzig. And I think it suits that club and the philosophy just a little bit better. The, 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 the directness of play is just something that Leipzig is going to probably be thriving a little bit more. And I think it's also what the fans want there. And they, contrary to popular belief, there's quite a lot of Leipzig fans. Um, I just <laughs> want to point that out. It's it might only have seventeen members, but Leipzig fans do exist. But yeah, I, I think Marsh under Marsh at Leipzig is going to be very interesting, especially when he brings Patson Ducker along, who is I think uh, fantastic. It's going to be a fantastic signing if it happens when it happens. Um, not saying those two clubs are connected and it will be easy, but um, you know how it goes. But yeah, I mean, like <laughs> that kind of gets us to the title winner, though, Stefan and. Before we talk about Bayern, though, um, Terzic has done some really good work now. He seems to be staying in Dortmund to, to be on um, Marco Rose's staff. But Marco Rose's Gladbach side 
they are only ahead of Union Berlin at the moment in the table based on goal differential. And they did a, they did the most today trying to get rid of that goal differential against Bayern Munich. Watching this Bayern Munich performance, they were outstanding without a doubt. You know, all players were fit. When all Bayern Munich players are fit, they're going to beat any opponent on this planet. But we have seen Gladbach beat Bayern regularly in the Bundesliga. And today's performance, if you are a Borussia Dortmund fan, speaking about Nagelsmann and Bayern fans may be worried about him being ready, how worried should Dortmund fans be about Marco Rose getting there and you know maybe not being the right man for the job? Yeah, it's such a fascinating kind of factor that is only going to add to the kind of appeal of the Bundesliga for me next season because the two biggest clubs are going to have brand new head coaches, which some aspects of the support might not be entirely convinced of. I'm less, bizarrely enough, I'm I'm less worried about Rosa at Dortmund than I am at Nagelsmann at Bayern, which I'm, I'm quite surprised to even hear myself say that, to be perfectly honest with you, because... You know, I think he has shown uh, at Gladbach that, you know, when he's focused and when everything's clicked into gear, that Gladbach team could really be anyone. You know, I actually, when I was kind of poking fun at uh, Nagelsmann's lack of any real record against Dortmund or Bayern as Leipzig head coach, I compared it to the fact that Marco Rosa has won three of his nine games against Bayern and Dortmund, although that's now 10 after Saturday's uh, game against, uh, against Bayern. So, you know, I think in a roundabout way, actually, even though Nagelsmann is kind of the poster boy of Bundesliga head coach, I think Rosa's definitely probably one of the most talented ones. Uh, you know, he's going to a club where, you know, he obviously knows uh, Erling Haaland very well. He knows how to get the best of individual players. I think tactically, he can set up really, really well. And, but of course, this Gladbach team have been so Jekyll and Hyde this season. Um, you know, having said all that about Rosa, I, I will also happily say that I think the performance against Bayern this weekend was possibly one of the worst I've seen all season from any team. And I was kind of joking on Twitter saying, and I've watched quite a few Schalke games this season. So, you know, that's how bad I really thought it was. The team completely down tools. And this has kind of been an issue for Gladbach since Rosa was confirmed as the Dortmund head coach. You know, I, I know there's, I know there's tradition involved and there's kind of common practice with the Bundesliga clubs, but, you do wonder if Max Eber, Max Eberl behind closed doors will happily admit that you really wish he could have just pushed Rosa out the door at that point, gave him to Dortmund, and then the club could have just moved on. Because I think I think Gladbach would have been a better position than they are right now. Um, I think the players would have had someone to play for, and I think that's been an issue too. I mean, I, I know that's kind of like a kind of elephant in the room thing that you can't really speak about because you don't want to accuse players of being unprofessional, but. I think we've got like maybe two or three examples this season of when a head coach says he's leaving, the team's form just goes out the window. Um, and yeah, you know, I've got Gladbach fans saying to me that I can't wait for Rosa to leave. And that's kind of that just kind of shows that, unfortunately, he may have really soiled his reputation at the club because of the manner in which he has decided to leave for Dortmund. But if, if you're asking me how I think things will go at Dortmund, I think if we kind of fast forward 12 months from now, I think he's probably put together a really good Dortmund team. This all relies obviously on who or what Dortmund have to sell. Uh, I'm not entirely convinced that they do or they will sell any of their key players. Maybe Sancho, I guess. They seem to be a little softer on, in the resolve of keeping him if a big club comes in for him. But I'm also not convinced that even the likes of Man United have the money to actually buy him this summer. So if if, if Dortmund can keep Sancho and Haaland, if they can maybe fix one or two issues in the team, um, 
I actually think there's a great team there, and I think Rosa has shown that he can be a really good head coach when everything's going going his way. Um, and and you know, I think I think yeah, I'm really impressed. I actually think now I think about it, he's probably the best tactician the club have maybe had since Tuchel. Um, and as long as he doesn't really have the same personality clashes with Tuchel, uh, then I think Dortmund might be just fine, to be perfectly honest with you. And for reasons for optimism, I, I really genuinely think that Dortmund, in a, in a weird roundabout way, Dortmund with Rosa and that squad probably have fewer issues than Nagelsmann might have with his Bayern team next year. Oh, and, and I think we need that. We, you know, the league needs it because it's been nine in a row now. Um, you and I both cover the league full time. We both have to kind of defend it. I think a lot of the times the competitiveness and it's hard to defend because if you just look in from the outside and you're like, ah, oh, yeah, there's Bayern won, won another title. It was easy for them. I don't, I don't think it was easy. I think some teams made it easy for them. Looking at you, Dortmund and Leipzig, and it, it but it is, it is something that is concerning, right? And I think the record now, um, the the record in the top four league for most titles one in a row was uh, Juventus with nine. Um, that that stopped this year. Juventus pretty much put a wrench into their plans by uh, signing Perlo, right, and going a little bit through a rebuild. And you kind of hope that there will be an Inter Milan next year in the Bundesliga, someone who just wrestles the title away from them. And do you think that, you know, as bad as... Bayern's dominance was, do you think there is a glimmer of hope then next year for someone to say, okay, look, we're going to not only put up a challenge, but we're actually going to take the title away from them? I do, actually. Um, and this might come back to haunt me, but I, I actually look at that Dor- uh, that Bayern team and I think there are, there are holes in it. Um, you know, I think obviously Upa Meccano's coming in. He's a good defender. I'm not quite sure he's the um, Virgil van Dijk that... A lot of the English press had us believe when he was being linked to literally almost every team in the Premier League. Uh, I'm not entirely sure he's worth 40 million euros for Bayern either. Um, but like he's he's still a young defender. Nagelsmann knows what to do with him, what's what to do with him. So you know, fine, he's he's there. But even after that, you're losing David Alaba, you're losing Jerome Boateng, um, you're using you're losing Javi Martinez, who I think has been quite useful. Um, you know, I had some people actually on my Twitter kind of almost bad talking Javier Martinez saying, oh, what a waste of money he was. And I, th- I thought it's so we- so weird how quickly people forget about players because he was such a huge player not so long ago for Bayern. Anyway, that's a that's a, that's a a side thing we can bring up another day. But, you know, and then you kind of look elsewhere in the team, the fact that this, this team are so heavily reliant on Thomas Muller and, and Robert Lewandowski. If you look at the numbers in terms of who creates the chances and who scores them, the two of them are just kind of like this fantastic duo up front, which aren't getting any younger. Um, you know they've had issues uh, both wings. I don't think Leroy Sani's been tremendous this season. Kingsley Coman's kind of came and went. I think that's probably a lot to do with the fact he's played so much football. Serge Gnabry's had his old kind of injury problems. Douglas Costa absolutely useless, so he'll be long gone. But they'll probably have to bring another winger in. They still don't have a central defender, a central midfielder to kind of cover for that Thiago Alcantara situation. Toliso. Probably he might move on, even if he stays. Will he stay fit for a full season? So anyway, what the the picture I'm trying to paint here is that I think while all the kind of rumours were here out of Munich and all the reports at Munich is that they're basically done for the summer for the most part. They're not going to be going out and spending their forty million euros on another player. I think they seriously need 
uh, another central midfielder. I saw them linked with, you know, Jeannie Ginaldum from Liverpool this week. Um, you know, I think the club have kind of been prepping, saying that's not going to happen. But that's kind of the caliber of midfielder. I think they genuinely probably need to kind of help bolster that midfield if Bayern are, go- are going to get back challenging for Champions League titles. Um, I think they probably need another winger um, because if they have another season with a jaded Coleman and, and Nabry and Leroy Sani still isn't really showing his work, I'm not sure if that's going to work. So I, I do think Nagelsmann is going to come in and probably have a long list of things he wants fixed. The issue is that, as we've seen this season, what the head coach wants and what the sporting director at Bayern offers don't exactly line up very well. And I think it'd be really interesting if Nagelsmann on day one says, I need all these players. And Salihamovich says, do you want Mark Roca? Or uh, do you want Bruno Saar? Or players like that. You might find Nagelsmann in a very similar situ- situation to Hansi Flick saying, I, I can't, you know, this this isn't going to work. Or I'm not suggesting he's going to walk away like Flick did, but the, the club might be held back by, A, it might not be able to buy the players that Nagelsmann needs to compete in Europe. And they might not have the personnel there that can identify these players and go get them for Nagelsmann. Um, and compared to Dortmund, even though Dortmund have been a bit of a mess this season, I actually think in terms of the squad, squad uh, depth, you look across that whole team in terms of, you know, who they've got in each position. Okay, sure, they could bring it. They could definitely use our right back, maybe a left back too, maybe a central defender. And they definitely need a goalkeeper. Okay, fine, I've just named like four or five positions there. But I don't think that's as drastic as Bayern's situation. I think there's actually quite a lot of players there who could, with a good coach, could actually really push on as well and become much better players. So in terms of optimism, I'd say that. Now, also just a minor thing about Leipzig as well, is I actually think even though they're using they're losing Upa Meccano, I actually think they're quite in a good position too. Jesse Marsh is, looks like a really impressive coach. So I think he'll have a lot to work with there as well. So I actually think of, out of the three, if you want to call them the big teams in Bundesliga right now, I think actually Dortmund and Leipzig are on more solid ground than Bayern at the moment. Yeah, I, w- I would actually kind of go along with them, uh, especially when you see the business that Leipzig have done already, right? They, they brought in... They basically brought in the two players to replace the two players that they could lose because Ibrahima Konate is still very heavily linked to to Liverpool. So, um, but they, I mean, Konate, everyone is talking about how big of a loss he's going to be, but he only played twenty percent of the available time he was there. So, you know, he's not like he's been fit this entire time has been an important player for them. So, I, I think them coming in with Sima Khan and Guardiola, fantastic, two fantastic signings, and I think if Leipzig signed Dakar, that team is ready. That's, you know, they are basically a ready-made championship challenging club and and Dortmund probably need the most, more work than Leipzig. But I agree with you. If they can, I think Dortmund's biggest work will be to keep Sancho and Haaland um, for another season. And I think then they're pretty much ready-made and sign a goalkeeper. And I think it, that's that's very much on the plans. But Stefan, unfortunately, we are out of time. I, I need to let you get back to work. Um, it's always <laughs> fantastic to have you on. Um, where can people find you? What have you been up to? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at sbinkovsky, and yeah, that's probably the best place to see all my musings and utter nonsense that I talk about the Bundesliga every week, every day actually, unfortunately. Um, and that's where, you know, as a freelancer, I kind of stick all my work. So if people want to follow my writing or podcasts you know, such as this, then that's the best place to find me. And please do, and I'm pretty sure the coaching coaching merry-go-round will keep us busy for a few more weeks. <laughs> anyway, Stefan, thanks for coming on, and we'll chat soon. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. What happens before that? These two sides will meet on the Pokal final. And here's Sancho. 
Lovely flick. Guerrero for Dortmund. It must be Sancho. Jaden Sancho has restored Dortmund's lead. And will that be the end of the story? How significant could that moment be? Yes, and that was Jaden Sancho's winning goal yesterday for Dortmund. And yeah, plenty to talk about for the two fellas. But we're going to dive into Eintracht Frankfurt now as they move down to fifth. Manu, at, at one stage, it seemed like this wasn't possible. But uh, in the last four games, we've seen only one victory, one draw, two losses. And the draw today against uh, Mainz, uh, that, that doesn't exactly do them any favours either. No, and it's it's really too bad because we can draw a direct line between Adi Hütter saying he's going to leave Eintracht Frankfurt and the results really kind of going sideways for them. I think it's really difficult now for anyone to pretend that that has nothing to do with it, right? And maybe an opportunity missed for Frankfurt because how often do you have the chance to maybe finish in the top four if you're not one of those traditional top four sides? And I think for them, they're going to look back at the season if they miss out. I think that Dortmund is past them now. I don't think Dortmund are gonna, going to just slip up again and give this position that they, they've won themselves away again. Um, especially because when you look at it in the next match day, right? where they're playing Mainz and uh, I'm sorry, but I don't think Dortmund are going to make the same mistake that they have. And then on final match, Leverkusen, okay, well, that's a little bit more difficult, but Leverkusen isn't exactly the side that we had in, in the past few years. So I think Frankfurt kind of have to really look at maybe Wolfsburg now and hope that they slip up on Sunday, next Sunday against Leipzig and drop some points there and maybe fall, that Wolfsburg can still fall out. But three points is difficult at this stage to, to make up to any team. So, yeah, I mean, Bryce, it's it's the same thing with all the clubs that we had this year who kind of made these early coaching changes. It just seems to disrupt the flow. It doesn't seem to be very productive in terms of what you want to achieve as a club. And I think a lot of clubs this year will have to say and look at each other and say, well, maybe next year we have to handle it a little bit different. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you would, you would look at the final two games here for Eintracht and before the, the last four games, you would have said Schalke, yeah, they'll beat them. And I still believe they will. But um, then taking on Freiburg and you go, just don't know. I don't know whether they're capable of getting a win there now, you know, that they, the attitudes have changed. But Manu, who are we possibly considering coming into such a role? I mean, that, what what a position it is. I mean, they, they, they've played such fantastic football over the last few years. They've got a great squad. And when the fans are on the grounds, oh, what a place to be. Yeah, you know that I'm a big fan of Eintracht Frankfurt and the um, the setup that they have developed there. And it's, it's a difficult one. They, I think they're facing a very difficult situation in terms of that they, they have a real transition year coming up again. The Freddie Bobic going, of course, to Hertha Berlin. And the sporting director and Adi Hütter, the head coach, going to Gladbach. And we now know that Markus Grösche is coming in to become the new uh, Sportvorstand or director of sport at Eintracht Frankfurt. Uh, he's coming over from RB Leipzig and uh, at RB Leipzig, where he's done on the surface good work, but also internally there was a, a lot of issues because he doesn't quite have the same international contacts that some of the other big name managers have. And it's, it's certainly not that Freddy Bobic has. And this is. I haven't worked directly with Markus Kroesche, but these are some of the things that I have been told when I phoned around and um, asked about him. So it's going to be interesting to see what he can do. I mean, 
On the other hand, he's done fantastic work at Paderborn, right? A, a smaller club where he's brought up a, long, a lot of long, younger players from the lower divisions in Germany and Paderborn sold a lot of them on and made money of them. So I mean, it's going to be very interesting. I, I think that there's also some other people working in Frankfurt that do quite good work. Um, yeah, I'm curious. Really curious to see how he works out. The head coaching role is not filled yet, Bryce. And I kind of surprised you a little bit with that name off before the show, but a familiar figure to Bundesliga fans, especially Schalke 04 fans, Raul, former Real Madrid legend. Apparently, he's being linked to the Eintracht Frankfurt job. Who would have thought that? Well, well, this is it. When you said Raul's being linked, I was just like, is this some... It's, it's, you know, when it wasn't uh, the coach that was mentioned, I thought, what, is this some young star that's called Raul, the same name as the legend? And you went, no, 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 no. The Real Madrid one, you've got it right. And I was really taken back. But Manu, is, is, is there much of a possibility of this? I mean, what, what exactly has he been doing up to this point? Uh, and, you know, how, how true are these potential rumors? I mean, we've seen Xabi Alonso being linked with the Bundesliga before. And, you know, then that seemed to disappear almost as, as quickly as the Super League arrived and disappeared. Yeah, this, I think the Xabi Alonso story was the... It was it was one of the most hilarious stories in German football, where one news agency, one report in particular, reported it and um, put a green jack check mark to it, and then of course it turned out to be utterly false. And he has since renewed his contract there. Um, Raúl was first reported by Goal, so not sure what to make of of that um i know that they Eintracht frankfurt have been looking at a few other coaches as well roger smith from psv eindhoven a person that we're very familiar with from this show right and uh, it's going to be interesting maybe to know that roger smith has since said that he's not going to leave psv oliver glasner is being rumored quite heavily with a move to eindracht frankfurt of course he's at wolfsburg right now i mean this is exactly what we need we need another coaching change from one club to another, just to keep the carousel rolling, right? And um, Sandro Schwarz, who's been working at Dynamo Moscow in, in Russia, has also been mentioned. And yeah, I, it's it's going to be interesting. I mean, Raul, Raul, would, Raul would be fun, I think, because all of a sudden you have a big name star come back to the Bundesliga be thinking outside the box. Obviously, he is a big enough name and figure that I think a lot of players would want to play for him. Similar to how it would have been with Fabi Alonso, who, you know, as silly as that rumor was, it would have been intriguing to see. And with Raul, of course, maybe it's going to be very similar. He's he's been working at the the Real uh, Real Academy setup and. From from what you hear, they really like him, and it has also even been talked at me. One day he's going to succeed Zinedine Zidane, although I think there's maybe someone else is going to go there eventually. Someone who might be in the Champions League final at the moment, we'll we'll, we'll see. But uh, yeah, it's 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 an interesting name, and I think it would be fun to see. But the problem is too, if you have a fun name, a big personality name, we also have to remember those those people also have to be able to coach and whether they can actually do that is another question altogether, right? Absolutely. And I think you, you mentioning, you know, somebody that would um, potentially draw players in. I, I think, Manu, would I be right in saying that also you, you want a coach that's possibly going to keep the big name players that they've got at the moment? Because they've got, they've got some fantastic players at the moment. It's a good point, right? 
maybe bringing in, so you're bringing in a director of sport in Croatia who is more of a regional figure, and then you're bringing in a head coach like Raul into a position like that. And, and make no mistake, Raul has the international contacts that Croatia maybe doesn't, right? But it's an, it's what you point out is really interesting too, and I, I actually 100% agree with you. If you, Andre Silva and Philip Kostic, and let's say they do reach the Champions League, and I think that's still very much possible that they could, and they reach the Champions League and Raul becomes the next head coach, maybe some players will say like, hmm, that's, you know, he's a legend. He, he's been around the game. He's won everything there is to win. We have in the past seen that people like Pep Guardiola have turned out to be excellent managers. And I think Raul is one of the smartest and nicest people in this game. The years that he was at Schalke as a, as a player for the last couple of seasons of his career, he had tremendous influence at the club. Uh, probably the last two really excellent years that Schalke did have, right? And you, you kind of look at that and you say, yeah, I mean, maybe this is the right appointment and maybe this is the sort of appointment where where some of the, the players who are sort of sitting on the fence right now and whether they're going to stay in Frankfurt or not are going to say, hmm, yeah, I, I, I'd be interested in this. I'd be interested to work with someone like him. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, I think that you know they're going to have to choose carefully. Like I suppose you could say that about any club, you know, who the head coach is going to be. But I think they've got a lot on the line at the moment, you know, with keeping players and attracting players and the sporting director change. I mean, it's it's going to be an interesting summer, I think, for Eintracht Frankfurt. And um, yeah, it's not looking likely like they're going to get that fourth position, is it? But um, yeah, we're, we're obviously recording this on Sunday. Uh, that was one of the games in Eintracht Frankfurt taking on Mainz. Um, we should probably talk about the other two. The other two had a lot to do with the relegation positions and Manu, I'm not looking forward to talking about these really if I'm being honest but let's start off with Hertha Berlin. So Hertha Berlin managed a nil-nil draw with uh, Armenian Bielefeld, um, a position that you know, gets them another point that means that they've got five out of the last nine. Um, things aren't looking too bad for Hertha now, are they, Manu? It, it, it was at one stage talked about that they could possibly go down another big club, you know, to, to go down into the, the lower tiers. But I, I doubt that'll happen now. Yeah, first of all, so many people get stuck on the fact that the Bundesliga is boring because Bayern Munich always win the title. And I would say, yeah, they're correct. The title race isn't boring. But we just spent time talking about the Champions League and how exciting that's been and that there's still three teams fighting for essentially two spots. That's It's interesting. The, we have a fight for the Europa League and the, the relegation battle, Bryce. I mean, oh, that's where it's at. <laughs> I, we, we don't really, in this show, don't really spend that much time talking about the relegation battle until this stage of, of the season. And this, this seems to be... I mean, this is our fourth full season now, or third full season, and uh, four, fourth relegation battle, right? That we've done on on the show. We've been together for quite some time, and I always think this is the time of the year when we really start talking about it because it is not always a clear picture until it still isn't, but it's as clear as it's ever going to get. And I look at this table now, and Schalke gone. Okay, so that's our answer right there. We know they're gone. But Köln, Bielefeld, Bremen, Hertha, Augsburg, they're all just within four points from one another. 
I think mines are out now. I think they've, they 30, you know, you say 40 points is where you need to be to be safe. But who are we kidding, Bryce? I think 36 are going to be enough this year. And Hertha have a massive game coming up on Wednesday to make up for the quarantine um, against Schalke right on Wednesday. I think if they win that, they pull them. I don't think they're safe, but they pull themselves out significantly um, out of this relegation battle. And I, I think what I find the most impressive about them, before we talk about all the other teams, is that Paul Dardai, he is not going to be the head coach of the future for this club because he's super pragmatic and he's not going to play the fancy football that Vintors and his millions and millions of euros that they have invested into this team are going that is not what he wants right but since he's been in they have methodically gotten their points like a point here three points there you know they just they're just getting points is what you need in the relegation battle i think they are probably the ones that are going to be out of this um which is probably the only positive news and on yet another season we have to briefly mention jens lehmann and his racism role with dennis aogo and the awful whatsapp messages he sent and jens lehmann being kicked off the rightfully being kicked off the board there um you know, I think for Hertha, the season cannot end soon enough and they need to get this club in order. And I think Freddie Bobic is going going to clear house there. He's really going to clear house there. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens when he comes in. But everyone else, Bryce, including your Köln team, um, it's not looking great for them. Yeah, absolutely. And you've got a lot of these teams playing each other as well. So Köln still have to play Schalke. Then you've got uh, Osberg still have to play Werner Bremen as well. So there's... There's still a lot of potential moving parts here. Um, you talked about Hertha wanting the season to end. I would imagine that Kuhn will will be in the same position, but obviously they're going to want it to end with them still in the Bundesliga. Uh, things are looking pretty bad. They, they played uh, Freiburg today, and you thought on, on recent form, Freiburg would be a team that they could possibly seize the moment uh, and get three points. That did not go to plan as they lost 4-1. Um, Manu, I think obviously we need to talk about uh, a potential new head coach for them, but there, there's also an awful lot seems to be going wrong in that club. You look at the players on the field, there's not a lot of inspiring players in there, is there? Um, not much goal threat. And I, I, I do think that the transfers um, in recent times have been really poor. <sighs> yeah, Köln is one of those teams. There was a good article by Deutsche Welle today um John Harding and Matt Ford wrote it and about what needs to be fixed about the Bundesliga. And a lot of it is the the usual issues for 50 plus one and you know the fact that Bayern Munich probably need to share some more money with the television with television deal and maybe a salary cap. But the one thing that really stood out to me and I wholeheartedly agree with is that a lot of these big clubs are managed really poorly. And Köln is one of them. Köln is a, a, such a massive club in, in one of Germany's biggest cities. And they are in danger of going down together with Schalke, who are the second largest club by membership in Germany, period. And that just shouldn't happen. These massive entities going down into the second division is, is a real travesty. And it really is hurting German football because they should be naturally challenging those, those teams from the big cities should be the one challenging Bayern Munich, right? It can't be that the only city in Germany that has his house in order is Munich with the big club of Bayern. And 
Yeah, Köln has done a lot of things wrong, and I I don't I don't know how do you fix what we call in Bavaria we call it the the Kölner Klüngel, right? The the Köln the Cologne Mafia. There's a lot of that going on. That there's a lot of interchange and there's a lot of talk behind closed doors and like deals struck that are not always for the best and benefit for 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 the economy or business and. You know, Rheinland, Nordrhein-Westfalen is, is, a, is, a, is an interesting Bundesland altogether. And I shudder at the prospect that maybe the next chancellor is going to come from there. And um, Köln is a perfect example of all the things that go wrong in that area of Germany. And I, I just think there needs to be someone who just comes in and clears house. You know, similar to what Bobic would have been great for them, Bryce, because Frankfurt had a lot of the same issues. Bobic went in there and he cleared house, Right. And I think that's just kind of needs to happen there. There needs to be stronger personalities. And whether you're going to be able to do it with clubs that are run on this kind of membership organizations is difficult because we've talked so many times about Schalke, for example, on this podcast, where we just point out that there's 11 people on the supervisory board. And, you know, these a lot of these people are voted in, but they have no clue what they're doing. And I think the same issue is with Köln. And maybe you have to keep the membership structures for these clubs, but you have to also put in some kind of organization on top that just makes sure that these teams are actually run like professional football entities and not like a political party. Yeah, but I, I think you're absolutely right. I think there's too many issues occurring at the moment and well, some of the other clubs as, as well. Um, I, I think... With Schalke, we look at them and you. a lot of people say they need to go down, they need to you know, dismantle everything, rebuild, come back up stronger. But I think with, with FC, it just feels like they've went down too many times and come back up and not particularly been any stronger. You know, we've we seen a few years ago they got into Europe and what did that do? They got relegated the year after. You know, it's... They, they they need to change more than just the head coach, don't they? I, th- I think there's there's more issues there, as as you've said, um, Manu. But um, talking about the head coach role, um, who is possibly going to fill such a seat, whether they're you know in in the top flight or second? Yeah, there's there's a lot of talk that the Stefan Baumgart from Paderborn um, is going to be the next head coach. Stöger is out of the race. Stefan Baumgart, um, according to my information, is also in the running for Hamburger SV. Speaking of big clubs in the second division, they're still there and they're probably still there next year. And second division is going to be very interesting, Bryce. Maybe we can talk about that after I talk about Baumgart. But Stefan Baumgart, yeah, he has a meeting next week, first with Köln, then he has a meeting with Hamburger as well, and then he will decide between those two clubs. So um, I think we're going to get a decision on who becomes the next Köln head coach or who doesn't become the next Köln head coach because he could very well go to Hamburg instead. Um imagine having that choice between those two clubs but yeah i i think it's baumgart is very much the the person that they want and um whether they're gonna get him we'll see i i feel like every club is getting a new head coach right now bryce maybe you and i are soon in the running yeah to be to be honest yeah it, it does feel like that i mean where is this merry-go-round we'll jump on let's see where we land eh could be good fun but uh yeah I, th- I think that more or less uh does it for for this week we've we've talked um just about uh well the top to the bottom uh of the bundesliga and that is match day 32 done so i would say match day 33 is coming up and then we will return which is technically true but there's one game from match day 31 uh, on wednesday and that is going to be schalke taking on Hertha Berlin. So yeah, come on Schalke, I think. 
I don't know anymore. Anyway, uh, thanks for for listening. Uh, from uh, Manu uh, and myself, I've been your host, Bryce Dunn. And until Match Day 33 is concluded. I'll and that will be episode 200. Don't forget. See you next week. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.